Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I did read that none of the people in the masks had oxygen. So people were <laughs> passing out right and left because they didn't put the masks on right. And the director quit right after filming this scene. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah. <laughs> it's bad. It's really bad. It's... It's bad. I don't like anything about it. What was it like in the 70s? Was just everyone on cocaine all the time? Yes, and just yes, yeah, yes, pretty yes. Much. Happy Life Day, everyone. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, then grab a glowing orb, throw on a red choir robe, and get ready to celebrate the ultimate Star Wars holiday. No, not May the 4th be with you. No, not Revenge of the 5th. I told you already, we're talking about Life Day, and we're going to keep talking about Life Day as we do a deep dive on the infamous Star Wars holiday special. I am Dalton Ross, once again torturing my co-hosts, Devin Kogan and Lauren Morgan, by making them crawl into the deep, deep recesses of the forgotten, and in this case, disowned Star Wars galaxy. Uh, Devin, you didn't have long to recover after Christmas in the stars before I foisted the Star Wars holiday special upon you. How are you holding up? Look, we are just in full festive mode. We are just, we're embracing Life Day and S-Claws and all of these disparate, you know, kind of bizarre corners of a galaxy far, far away. And, you know, what what better way to spend December than than with, you know, Chewbacca's family and John Bon Jovi? I often have to venture into the dark recesses and corners of the Star Wars galaxy to find Lauren Morgan uh, and be- 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 <laughs> before we get into the subject du jour, uh, I understand you uh, uh, made a big Star Wars purchase the other day, Lauren. Uh, what happened I there? I almost did, and then I was foiled uh, because I, I, the Ewok Christmas sweater, which I have mentioned many, many times, finally went on sale at Chop Disney, and I ordered it. And then I realized it was only the kids' sweater. And I no. even checked out the size chart to see if it would fit. And I was like, yeah, there's no way I can't do it. So I had to cancel it. But I did order a Life Day mug, which they do have on Job Disney. (laughs) So that will be coming towards me. But the Ewok Christmas sweater is still out of my grasp. Do you you just have like various alerts set up when items go on sale at Shop Disney? Or are you literally on the website like once an hour every hour? Like how did you- I think yesterday I remembered that they did have Life Day merchandise. Uh, So after I watched this uh, extremely interesting special, I went and I wanted to see if they still had it and what they had. And that was when I discovered the Ewok thing was on sale. Uh, So that I'm not on Shop Disney all the time, but this one I just randomly kind of just stumbled upon the the, uh, Ewok sweater sale, but still... My heart was broken. Don't didn't didn't you you also sent us an, an image that you put in the Slack channel? They, there's some sort of like life day, like a slanket slash snuggie situation. 
there is multiple uh, Life Day uh, merchandise. If you are also interested after we you listen to this podcast, they have like a slanket. Uh, they have multiple T-shirts. They have two different Christmas ornaments, one of which lights up. They have two different mugs. Uh, so yeah, it was, uh, they, they have, you know, I, I would say, uh, uh, Lucasfilm has embraced Life Day, at least on Shop Disney. So it's it, just for merchandise. Yeah, exactly. Merchandise That's exactly, exactly right, Which, Devin. They, considering they, they, this was made to sell toys, I guess they're, they're getting their money, honestly, you know. What what else could be more in the spirit of of Christmas slash Life Day than That's rampant true. consumerism? It's hilarious Absolutely. the way that they like try and pretend the special never existed, yet they're embracing <laughs> Life Day, which is the entire purpose of the special, which is which is so weird. I I think George Lucas wants to pretend it's it never existed, but he's gotten his money, and so now Disney is going to get more money out of it too. Fair enough. So. And then the question becomes: When will they ever actually release this entire thing? Um, which still has been never, even since George Lucas sold it. Um, so we're going to get into it. I think what we'll do is kind of like, if you missed last week, by the way, last week we we dove into the Star Wars uh, Christmas album called Christmas in the Stars. And uh, we gave some history on it. And then we sort of went through track by track. So let me just sort of explain what this is. And then we'll, the three of us can get into what we saw. And so it, the Star Wars holiday special it aired in 1978 on November 17th on CBS. It basically uh, preempted Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk, which has like a double <laughs> double whammy of like awesomeness that they took off the air for this. Incredible Hulk scared me. The Incredible Hulk legit scared me when I was a kid watching that. I would have nightmares about that show. I literally own the entire DVD set of the Incredible Hulk because we started watching it like, I don't know, I remember like 10 years ago. I mean, I watched it when I was a kid. And then my husband and I kind of rediscovered it. And it is so much fun to watch, even though like every, like, you know, one point he hulks out in a New York City taxi. It is so really, good. truly a delight of 70s television. So you know, I would have probably been pissed if someone had taken off the Incredible Hulk to watch this yeah. special. But. Such sad music at the end, too. Like, always just, like, really sad music. And uh, Bill Bixby, I also share a birthday with him, so I've always had a, you know, I've always had a soft spot for him. Uh, so anyway, they, they took that off the air, and uh, unfortunately. So, um, and it's never been broadcast again. Has never been released on home video. Never brought it broadcast on CBS and in Canada, like and that was it, over. Um, so basically, what happened was they're outlining. This is, I'll, I'll give you the Wikipedia version of this. They're you know they're they're outlining the original Star Wars and they're thinking of potential sequels. Like, hey, if this is a, a hit, where do we go from this? And George Lucas is like, well, I want to do a film about Wookies. And so then the Star Wars is a huge hit. And I guess he decides, all right, well, maybe we'll just do a more traditional sequel. But I, I still love this Wookiee idea. While he's thinking about that, the cast is off on all the, the variety shows on TV. You know, they're doing your, you know, your Muppet shows here and I don't know, your other variety shows there. And then you got this guy, Charles Lippincott, right? He's the, the head of marketing of the Star Wars Corporation. And so CBS essentially, you know, calls him and Lucas up and they say, we want to do it. Uh, and they're like, all right, let's do this. But but George Lucas at the time is is busy. He's making, you know, starting to make an Empire Strikes Back or think about an Empire Strikes Back. He's moving his whole production company to a new location. And so he's not really involved in this at all, as you will notice when you watch it. 
And so famous Lucasfilm producer Gary Kurtz said, uh, said this with a special. He goes, it did start out to be a lot better with a different script. We had a half a dozen meetings with the TV company that was making it. In the end, because of work on promoting Star Wars and working on the next film, we realized we had no time. So we just left it to them and just had the occasional meetings with them, provided them with access to props and actors. And that was it. So Kurtz, like clearly distancing the brand from <laughs> this special. But again, it's Lucas's idea. He wants to build the whole like story around Chewbacca's family. And so CBS hires a bunch of variety show writers and producers, including Bruce Valanche. Now, I, I don't know that. if everyone knows who Bruce <laughs> Valanche is. He's probably best known as like being on Hollywood Squares. Like, I think that's just, I don't remember which square he was. I think he was friends with Carrie Fisher, if I'm not, you know, making oh, was that he? one up. Yeah, I think he was friends with Carrie Fisher, if I recall correctly. He was some sort of square in Hollywood Squares. I don't know if he ever made it to like center square, but like he was <laughs> on the outer <laughs> periphery of the squares. He also is like written for like the Oscars telecast like 10 bazillion times. And he's got a big beard and big hair and he's, you know, he's Bruce Valanche. Uh, so anyway, they, uh, but Bruce Valanche and uh, is a little concerned about doing this special, uh, you know, on, on Wookiees, but Luke is like, no, this is what we're going to do. So the special went through two different directors. The first was a guy named David Akamba, who was, uh, who had done, you know, he was brought in. Uh, to 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 direct it and like you know put his like style on it and stuff, but this guy was a classmate of George Lucas's at USC. He apparently had no idea how to do a multiple camera setup. So I don't know. We spent a lot of time on this, but you know when you when you're when you're a film, you're filming with one camera kind of at the time, and then you're changing position doing that. But you know, think of like old TV sitcoms where they set up three or four cameras and they're just catching all the angles at the time. He didn't know what was going on. That caused some problems. He also felt that like he wasn't getting along with the producer. So he leaves the product, the project. He only films a few scenes. There's a cantina scene that we'll get into. And then there's a, uh, a Jefferson starship performance <laughs> that he filmed apparently as well. And then he's like, I am out of here. Um, so then this guy, Steve Binder, 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 I guess comes in now. Steve Binder is mostly known for two other things. He directed and filmed the big Elvis comeback special, which if you just saw the movie, Elvis plays a big part in that movie. And he's the guy. It's like, nobody knows who you are anymore. Elvis, you're not the king. You got to like, you know, put on a leather jacket and get cool again. And we're not going to do it like the Colonel wants. That's Steve Binder. Great impression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you very much. I worked all night on that, by the way. (laughs) He also directed a Diana Ross live in Central Park concert in 1983 uh, that unfortunately was cut short because a few minutes into the show, a torrential thunderstorm passed through Central Park. But I think she just kept performing, though, if I recall. She did a little. They still cut it short, and then she did a second show, apparently. Like, she then did another show some other time. I don't know. And then they put it out on video. Anyway, so he had basically no contact with Lucasfilm. They made him a quote-unquote Wookiee Bible which said, hey, here's the way that they should look. Here's how they behave. Here's what they do. I want to see apparently, the Bible. Apparently no one on the Ewok movies got an Ewok Bible because all of a sudden they had magic and were talking and I don't know. They didn't get one. Uh, Stan Winston, very famous guy. He was designing the Wookiee family. And then this thing, again, aired on November 17th. And 
Lauren sort of references earlier, prior to the special airing, Kenner, who remember did all the Star Wars toys. Remember, toys were not a big deal until Star Wars. When, when I say toys are not a big deal, I mean like toys from a movie were not a big deal at all. Like that's how Lucas got all the toy rights because because Fox was like, who makes toys from movies? No one cares. Then they put out all these Star Wars toys and every kid like me had every single one of them and they were a huge deal and made billions of dollars. So Kenner's like, oh my God, we have a, a, a new Star Wars special. Let's get some toys ready. And then uh, they made some prototypes and then the special came out and they probably destroyed those prototypes. Just kidding. So, again, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so that was the end of that. So that's a little history. Now let me just give a quick, quick, quick plot. Is there uh, a plot? In terms of what happens this special, <laughs> I, don't I, think I know. There is good, a plot. good question. Mm-hmm. All right, so so basically the plot is Han Solo is trying to get Chewbacca home for Life Day. Now Life Day, it's a little unclear what it is, but it's essentially the Wookiee version of Christmas on the Wookiee home planet of Kashyyyk, which for some reason is pronounced Kazook here. I don't yeah. know why that happens, but they call it Kazook. So he's going to Kashyyyk uh, so he can see his family. And Chewie's family consists of dad Itchy, wife Mala, and son Lumpy. But Han and Chewie are being pursued by Imperials, so Mala and company are getting worried. Are they okay? They start communicating with Luke and Leia. There's also Imperials raiding their treehouse. And along the way, there's some really bizarre hologram and virtual reality performances and uh, the first ever appearance of one of the most popular Star Wars characters ever. Uh, we're going we're gonna to walk you through this just incredibly bad two-hour monstrosity that I love with all my heart and soul. Um, I've been watching this thing for 25 years now when I first bought a VHS copy on eBay. But Lauren, this mm-hmm. was your first time ever watching. Yes. So I have to know, mm-hmm. what was going through your mind when after just a really quick brief, ac- brief action intro, the next 10 minutes of the movie were spoken <laughs> entirely in Wookiee with no subtitles. Um, I will say that, okay, so I've heard about the Star Wars Holiday Special for years. I mean, it's been it's been like sort of a pop culture joke. But for the longest time when I was a kid and up till, you know, I guess the creation of YouTube, you just could not see this thing. So you just, this was just something that was like rumors and legends and all this sort of stuff. So, and and when it, I guess it became available on YouTube, I was a busy person, just didn't think about ever being like, you know, going to watch it. So yesterday was the first time I uh, I have ever experienced the ho- uh, the holiday special, and I have to say it was even weirder than I thought it was going to be. It was much weirder, and like my husband and I were watching it together, and we literally were just watching it on my phone because I was at my sister's house. So we called it up on on YouTube, and we're just like, and in the opening minutes, we're just like, what the hell is going on here? Like we're just like. We're like, is there supposed to be closed captioning? Like, what's going on here? So I was just like, this is far wilder than I, I kind of ever thought it was going to be. I mean, it is truly one of the strangest things I think I have ever watched. So uh, that like, was... To be, to be clear, what mm-hmm. Lauren's saying is they're having full conversations in Wookiee. It's not like a grunt like Chewbacca. It's like just back and forth. like Yeah. And like you're just sort and... of like, what, what... I'm like, I'm just trying to think of like what the average household in 1978 would have thought when they, you know... Like, and for some reason, I thought this was going to be like the Brady Bunch variety special, like singing and dancing and all. And then, so where it was just like you open up in this 10 minute, you're like, you're inside of a 
a Wookiee house, which looks very, this isn't what I really thought a Wookiee house. Like I didn't think Wookiees had bookcases or televisions or kitchen tables or anything of this sort. So I just was a little bit like the set decoration is very, very strange. So, um, so that, that was a thing. And there was at one point, and I think it was in the first 10 minutes that my husband's watching it. And I think, uh, itchy, like pushed lumpy away and he just goes quietly. Itchy's a dick. <laughs> just like in between, in between itchy s claws and whatever that little that teenager in that first Ewok oh, movie. Yeah. There are a lot of a holes in the expanded universe. Here. Yeah, it's like the like, discarded expanded. But I universe. was just joking, like with Lumpy, because you know Chewy stands for Chewbacca. I mean, what does Lumpy stand for? What does Itchy stand for? They, like, they have names. The uh, they, they they no, they do have names. Okay, um, Itchy is. At a chick-cook? <laughs> sure. sure Mala, Mala is Malatobuck. Okay, that makes sense. And then Lumpy is Lumpawarump or Lumpawaru. <laughs> I guess there's some It's a shame I don't that. have pets because I would name my child Lumpawaru or my, uh, my yeah. pet if I had a fish or something of that sort. Oh, that'd be a great yeah. name for a fish. So, Devin, your your reaction as you start to settle into it, and by the way, I this I'm not exaggerating. It's ten minutes. I've yeah, timed no, it. It's it long. is ten minutes. I can't. We kept Wookie stopping speed. it and being like, "How much left is this?" Like, you know, like this is this is long. That was kind of my experience watching this entire special because I had seen bits and pieces of it. I had seen most of the stuff involving the original actors. I'd seen the Life Day song. I'd seen all seen all of that. I'd never sat through and watched like all two hours of it or whatever the final runtime is. And as I'm watching it, I was like, okay, surely we must be near the end. And so I checked and I, we were only 27 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, this is, this is rough. I have a thousand questions. I, mm. I want to know like what just, what what was it like in the seventies? Was just everyone on cocaine all the time? Yes, and just yes, yeah, yes, pretty yes. much. I mean, that's like there's a lot of parts of it where I'm like, yeah, this just reminds me of just like it kind of reminded me of like the shagginess of like early Sesame Street. When you go back and watch early Sesame Street, you're just like, is there a point to a lot of it? It is bizarre. I so I'm a huge I love Wookiees. I love mm -hmm. Chewbacca. I love the Wookiees in in any of the the major films. Um, I actively hate Chewbacca's family. They are extremely <laughs> annoying to me. I don't like Itchy. I really dislike Lumpy. Mala's fine. She's, you know, she's, she's just, just trying there. to make some, yeah. Um, I, their house, like Lauren said, it literally just looks like they were like, yeah, here's the Brady Bunch set. Let's put some vaguely Star Wars <laughs> things on it. Like, it's so like 70s. It's all like the teak wood. It looks like my yeah. grandmother's house. Like, it's very, very bizarre. I. It's a treehouse. Yeah, yeah, we but should like, mention. but it's it doesn't look like it, like you know what you would ex like, like the Ewok huts look like what you would expect them to look like on the inside. And this, I was just like, this does not look like what I would think. Like, uh, yeah, it's like a seventies sitcom set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. It's, yeah, it's just with really some tree ac accents. Really bad. I also want to note, you know, as as I'm watching the the just the intro is so great. I love that they bill art. They're like. Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, uh, Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, R2-D2 as R2-D2. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so good. It's so good. Well, I, I, you know, it, Itchy is a, is a dick. Um, mm -hmm. Lumpy is just a precocious tyke, which is just always exhausting. Mala, it, you know, clearly gender stereotypes are also pervasive on Kashyyyk because like Itchy's just sitting there hanging out with a Mala X-Wing and Walla is, by the way, wearing an apron, <laughs> doing all the cooking and cleaning. 
Like she, Ma, poor Mala's got to take care of everything, and the kid and the the itchy are just like off doing their their thing. So it's a little ridiculous. Um, do you understand? Do either of you understand? I know I'm jumping ahead, but as we talk about the Wookies, because then we'll get into the guest stars and the stars, the you know the Star Wars people, all that stuff. So I don't understand how they get to where life day ha- like do they walk into a star all of a sudden they're like walking into like a giant star and then they're in some like cave looking area are they in a star are they magically transported somewhere i don't understand what's going on from what i've re- read about this special it seems like they just ran out of budget for the at the very end so <laughs> who knows what that was supposed to be like some of it also like you know, I said it, it, it you know, it, this also reminded me of a uh, 70s Doctor Who, like a lot of the effects. Yeah, it's like vaguely Christmassy and that it's mm-hmm. like red and they have these like glowing orbs that kind of look like Christmas lights, but they're actually glowing orbs. And then they walk into this basically like this beam of light and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. they're transported to this bizarre place where suddenly Han Solo is back and he's there. And uh, he was just like, I'm leaving. And then he was like, just kidding. I'm here to be here I'm with contractually as, obligated to be here. So as Carrie Fisher I mean, sings this song. Um, I have many questions. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if the special gives us answers to those questions. I also love how just like at the very end, talking to what you said, Lauren, they ran out of budget. They clearly did. And they ran out of time because all of a sudden, like the, we get this really, pro- I mean, there's a lot of prolonged close-ups in uh-huh. this and we'll get more into that in a little bit, but there's a lot of, and there's a lo- really like, like it's almost uncomfortable how abnormally long this close-up is on Chewy. And then you realize it's one of those things that they used to do on shows where they'd close up on someone's brain. Then like the, the, the waves would start to get like the screen would get wavy. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you're realize you're like looking at someone's dreams or thoughts. And then they just start showing scenes from a new hope. Oh, yeah. Like it's just all of a sudden just like random scenes from a new hope. We're like, wait, is this like what he's thinking about? Like, I don't understand what's happening. And it, they obviously didn't have enough material to make it to two hours. So like, you know what? Just throw in like a two minute dream sequence where he's just like imagining Obi-Wan Kenobi getting struck down by Vader again. He's just, he's having a flashback. He's standing around with his family thinking, Matt, man, look at all these weird things that happened to me in the last year. I have, I lead a very interesting life. <laughs> Thank thank heavens I've made it to life day. That's what he's thinking, I think. You know. It's bad. It's really bad. It's it's bad. I I don't like anything about it. So let's talk about <laughs> let's let's talk about the other stars of Star Wars that were in. So what they do is, you know, it's mostly all new stuff which we'll get into with all these guest stars and performances, but they 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 use some footage from A New Hope. And and then there's some Ralph McQuarrie paintings that they use to set it up. And then they, they shoot some stuff with the, with the Star Wars actors. But what's really interesting about the footage. So there actually are some deleted scenes that you guys may have noticed. I mean, you probably have seen them in other places. I would think they would have just shoved every single scene in that they had. Like, you know, they, they used, there's like a lot of like, there's a Tatooine segment that we'll get to in a little bit, but they set it up and they're all of a sudden all these scenes out outdoors in Tatooine that are all deleted stuff, not from the movie, just like weird creatures and <laughs> going through giant legs and things like that. Sure. Then they use actual footage from the movie that they repurpose. Like any, like there's like a, you know, like TIE fighters or like shots of like, a, you know, Yavin 4 that doubles as something else. And then there's like a scene of like Darth Vader walking down a hallway oh, talking yeah. to like one of his lieutenants that they just redub the dialogue for <laughs> to like completely change it. So it's like they take out the, the New Hope dialogue and just like make it something completely different. Um, 
But my favorite thing is where it starts is in the Millennium Falcon with Han and Chewie. And he's like, I'm going to get you home, buddy. But like, you know, there's TIE fighters firing at him. But if you watch it, it's like, I'm watching like, why are they using all these like uncomfortably extreme close-ups on Han and Chewie? And then you realize it's because they didn't build another Millennium Falcon like set. Like it's just, it's like it's a, like a bargain card, It's like a cardboard. It's like, yeah, yeah it's, it's like a cardboard correct. set. Mm-hmm. It's like a cardboard Millennium Falcon set that they don't want you to see too much of. So they just they stick to these really close shots. I guess, of the, I guess two the original of them. was in London and they just didn't bother bringing it to California or whatever. They're like, we're just, as long as you get the impression of the impression, Millennium yeah. Falcon. Like mm-hmm. walking past the television, you're like, oh, that looks like the Millennium Falcon. But like, if you did look they closer. Just, did they raid the Battlestar Galactica set and just stick on Solo like. from or, there? Yeah, that's what it looks like. I, I mean, or Buck Rogers, maybe. Oh, they, Buck Rogers, yeah, probably. Yeah, it's another good one. They, they, I mean, I will say this. Harrison Ford gives it his all. Like, he's not completely mailing it in. Does he? Like, he's mm-hmm. trying. I mean, Does he? This, this scene, he seems like he's like, I will deliver my dialogue with the all the enthusiasm I must have. But there are some later scenes where it's like, I don't know if you ever heard the, the narration, he, the original narration Blade from Blade Runner, Runner which yeah. he did not want to do. So he does not. He, like, basically just, you know, just drives it into the ground. And there are some scenes like this where he's like, I am here because I am contractually obligated and no other reason. Like, I'm just trying to get through this as fast as I can. He basically kills some dude like mm-hmm. uh, on the bridge outside Lumpy's house. Right. Oh, I mean, can we he- talk about that? So there's yeah. So it ends with basically the, this whole time is they're going to get Chewbacca home for life day. And then the Empire comes and is like, where's Chewbacca? And Chewbacca's family's like, we don't know. Um, and it's that's the whole plot of the thing. And at the end, Chewbacca comes in. There's a stormtrooper, um, but he doesn't actually kill the stormtrooper. There's like a fight and they're like on the balcony outside of the treehouse. And then the stormtrooper drops his blaster trips over his blaster and then falls off of uh the treehouse with a wilhelm scream um which is a, a classic star wars thing the the sort of ah that that's the the wilhelm scream <gasps> and then like literally han solo is just like oh i guess that guy's dead now he just fell off a, a very <laughs> large tree um so yeah I, I i was like i wonder if that's like a television they were like this is for kids we can't show Han Solo shooting some guy in cold blood, but sure, we'll have him trip over his own blaster. It's a, it's a classic like Disney type move, yeah. right? Like where, mm-hmm. where the, the 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 good guy is going to let the bad guy off, then turns their back, and the bad guy rushes with the knife, but then slips and falls over the it's, cliff. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. same sort of deal. But it's also like later they try and fool the Empire into saying the dude like went AWOL, but like there's a dead stormtrooper on the ground. Like, <laughs> is no one going to see this guy right there? I guess the later on they'll be like, I guess he slipped. I don't know. My favorite part is when like Mala gets in touch with uh, with Luke Skywalker, who's with R2, having some trouble fixing an engine. And Mala is very upset. She's a little bit of a nervous Nelly, this Mala. Mm-hmm. She's not sure if her hubby is going to make it home alive. So she's ca- calling everyone and he- She's getting a little hysterical and Luke's like, come on, Mala, let's see a little smile. And I always love it when a guy tells a woman to smile. That's always one of I'm my sure, favorite what, things. Whatever one wants to hear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just kept looking at that scene with Mark Hamill and I'm like, how much eyeliner is he wearing? He's definitely wearing eyeliner. So I just was like, I was like, both him and Harrison Ford look like they got a little bit of a 
you know, a glam rock look going on there because they're Luke, both wearing eyeliner. Luke got off Tatooine and he's like, oh, <laughs> finally, I can hit the drugstore and get some get yeah. some good eyeliner. I, mm-hmm. I can't get the good stuff on, on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. No, you it's, know, it and, works. I would say it works for him. It, I mean, it's kind of an interesting look for Luke. He's, but. he's also apparently using a lot of sun in because his oh. hair is really blonde <laughs> very in this blonde. special. My husband was wondering if that was his actual hair or not. He's like, is that a wig? And I'm like, I, I don't know what Mark Hamill got up. You know, I did read, though, that he was wearing a fair amount of makeup because this was right after his car accident but i'm not sure if that's actually oh th- true. Uh, this was really yeah I, that's what i thought but i thought that his car accident happened closer to like the, yeah the, the I, empire I, I think it happened at closer to empire i don't yeah, think that's, that's what right. i thought yeah because you don't see it at all and like you can yeah no because yeah. he does look a little bit different in empire but you know so that's i read that in one of the oral histories but i wasn't sure if that was actually accurate well let's talk about Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia, the number one Star Wars character ever as chosen by the writers and editors of Entertainment Weekly, who are wrong. Um, wow. So <laughs> Spoken by a writer and editor of Entertainment Weekly. I know. This is yeah. mutiny, Dalton. Mm-hmm. No, I, I listen, I, I, it's not the wrong choice. It wouldn't have been my choice, but it's not the wrong choice. All right. So um, so she shows up also. She's basically like, Molly, get off the screen. I don't have time for this. But then she sings the big Life Day song. At the end, the big climactic special uh, ending to the to the special, and she's got to you know gives a little speech. And if you haven't heard the song, that is about to change (laughs) because we're going to make you listen to it right now. Let's take a listen to uh, Carrie Fisher singing in celebration of Life Day. We celebrate a day of peace, a day of hope. Now, Lauren, you were throwing penalty flags last week when Maury Yeston, the producer and writer of the um, Christmas and Stars album, said that Carrie Fisher was not a singer and so therefore was not approached to sing on the Star Wars Christmas album. So how do you feel about her performance here on the Star Wars holiday special? The daughter of Debbie Reynolds and Eddie Fisher can indeed sing. And I think she was using some, you know, maybe she said she had laryngitis. I think she just didn't. She knew how bad this came out. And when Christmas in the Stars came out, she was just like, I am not. No, no, no. <laughs> and so she's like, I, I can't sing. What are you talking about? I can't sing. The thing is, she used to perform on stage with her mother, Debbie Reynolds. Sure. Like, 
I understand why you didn't want to sing on Christmas in the Stars, but to say you can't sing, that's no, 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 no. I'm not going to sit here and say that's a good song, but I will say <laughs> that what they did that's interesting, and this is kind of something that I think Devin was looking for from the Christmas album, was that they actually used Star Wars music. They incorporated mm-hmm, John yeah. Williams' main title, which I think was a smart move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of my biggest issues with the the Christmas album is that, I mean, I think it's it's no hyperbole to say that like the Star Wars score by John Williams is some of the most iconic music ever made. And so to sort of just like not do that for the holiday album is is was very short sighted. So like, of course, if you're going to make something feel Star Warsy, like say you're making a holiday special, you want to get as many of those John Williams cues in as you can. I mean, the Life Day song is basically just the main titles. Um, you know, B. Arthur sings a, a song with the Cantina band, and it's it's you know you hear a lot of those cues. You know, whenever Han Solo or or Luke Skywalker show up, you get their little bits of, of themes. You know, throughout um, the special, and I think I think that's smart. You know, I think that's honestly that elevates it and makes it feel like oh yeah, this is Star Wars as opposed to just like a bunch of random people running around in cosplay and pretending to be Wookies. <laughs> I wonder if, like, do you think she, like, lobbied to sing the song? Or do you think they, like, they asked her to sing the song? Because, like you said, Lauren, she was a, she was a singer. Do you think she was like, hey, I'll, you know, I'll do the special, but you got to give me a number? Or do you think it was the other way around? Yeah, I read a, I think it was a Vanity Fair oral history from a couple years ago that where one of the producers was like, yeah, apparently Carrie was like, can I sing? Um, they said she was, like, in her Joni Mitchell era, which I didn't know she had a Joni <laughs> Mitchell era, but okay. Doesn't everyone? Um so yeah, but I I don't know if if Carrie herself has ever had ever talked about it. So I I don't know. Um, I mean, but yeah, like Lauren said, I mean, daughter of Debbie Reynolds. I mean, she's she's got the chops. I mean, I wonder if Debbie heard about this and it's like, you should get a song, you know, it's, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Bad advice. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let let's. So listen, we have all these famous faces from Star Wars. They all show up. Even James Earl Jones did some voice work as mm-hmm. Vader. Like they're all there. And then you have some other famous 70s celebrities. <laughs> Let's talk about a few of those. Let's start with uh, Art Carney, who's really the most involved in the whole story. He mm-hmm. plays traitor San Dan, who's a, a Wookiee trader with, um, I don't know, mini aquariums and other situations. The that mini he has aquarium there. looks pretty cool. Yeah. He's just know. got yeah. like a little He's bit got, of everything. It's like a general store, you know? Uh, but it's definitely a, 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 a rebel sympathizer. Uh, if not a full-blown agent here fighting the Empire and coming to save the day here at times. Um, Devin, what do you think of Art Carney's uh, work here on Star Wars Holiday Special? I was, I, I think as like um, like undercover rebels go, he's not the most subtle. Like when he's giving this like message to, <laughs> to um, Chewbacca's wife and he's like, and, and he's like, I haven't seen your, that, that hairy rug you ordered is, is late in its delivery. Um, <laughs> you know, we'll have to, uh, the last scene, like, uh, have to give him a hand uh, solo. Yeah, it, it was made by hand. That's what it solo. was. Solo, <laughs> one person. Ha- yeah, yeah, so bad. It was, and then was, when he like gets patched into to Leia, he's like, "I'm a I'm a rebel sympathizer." I'm like, "You're not supposed." I mean, sure, you're not supposed to say this over your, you know, being monitored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but no, he's he's fine. He's sort of the the one human person who sort of like um, when he shows up and actually is having conversations with the Wookies. I'm like, oh, this is nice to actually have a human dialogue here that's not just a bunch of Wookiee grunts at each yeah. other. You realized um, how important Han Solo was to understanding what Chewbacca was saying because he mm-hmm. interpreted everything. That's the thing. I'm like, I don't know if you could ever make a solo Chewbacca movie unless it was like 
him. I mean, I guess you could, but you would have to have other people talking to him. It doesn't. Right. It doesn't. I just mean, work the Ewoks sp- spoke English eventually. I mean, maybe they would <laughs> switch it. So that Look, teach Chewbacca a little magic. Have him talk about the power. He can <laughs> hang out on on you know on Endor. Yeah, I mean, he's fine. You know, he was a big star around that time, yeah, and it's fine. and and he's he's. It was he's way more chess than I really needed to see on Art Carney, though. That shirt was really just way <laughs> in the, the look. deep V zone. That was I the was style. Like, no, it was that, the seventies. No, some someone needed to put some kind of a button on that. I'm sorry. What was weird is wasn't he also selling like a personal grooming device or something? Something like, a, like that. Yeah, you know. too, is that the thing that the Imperial stole out of his store? Yeah, it's like a personal grooming device and. He's just, you know, letting it all hang out there. I don't know. Again, um, it's the 70s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the 70s, which explains why B. Arthur was around. She, so they do this whole, yeah, they do this whole section on where I, I don't understand. Like the Imperials are forced to watch some video called like A Day in the Life of Tatooine, which seems like a really weird thing to make them in the middle of all their occupation and torture to like stop to watch this video. Which again starts with some deleted scenes from the movie, and then you go into the cantina, and there's B. Arthur who plays uh, a, a, you know, a, the cantina bartender or owner named Akmena, and um, then she sings. She can't get anyone to leave. There's like a curfew that's been installed, and they're all just like brushing her off. They're not going to pay attention. I'm to that. sorry if B. Arthur told me to get the hell out of someplace, I would get the hell out. She looks like she could throw a punch. Well, they're not scared of that, but she somehow no. gets them out through the, the power of song, Lauren, gets, <laughs> the, gets them finally moving when she sings goodnight, but not goodbye. And um, I will say she's got a good backup band. She's got the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, what, Figrin Dan and the modal nodes from, uh, yeah. from A New Hope or, or her cantina band once again here. What'd you guys think of the song? I love. I mean, look. I'm. I love the cantina. I love the cantina music. Um, I think this went on for way too long. I think it should have been half yeah. as long as it was. Um, but yeah, it's a fun little pleasant interlude. I think that should be a Disney Plus series, just like a day in the life of the the cantina, Tatooine cantina, and just being like, what kind of weird customers do you deal? With? Like, I'm I'm imagining like the bear, but set in the cantina. Yeah. <laughs> That you know that could be something, but I, I did read that uh, none of the people in the masks had oxygen, so people were <laughs> passing out right and left because they didn't felt the didn't put the masks on right, so people would just pass out and like so I just would like to see that. So, and the director quit right after filming this. Yeah, scene, pretty so, much. Which, yeah. You know, I think I could understand why he did that. Yeah, so they they she gets all of them out there by. I was mostly just confused, like when Harvey Corman showed up and seemed to be hitting on her. She's like, "I want to just get you a drink," and he's like, "But you told me to like come back and return tomorrow." And I just was like, "What is going on in this?" All that right, so let's talk weird. about Harvey Corman. He plays a variety of characters, and Lauren's talking about this character by the name of Krellman, mm-hmm. who comes into the bar, is hitting on B. Arthur. He also has a giant hole on the top of his head yeah. where he pours his drink into. So imagine like instead Ooh. of a hat, like there just being a giant hole and he pours his drink into the hole. We were trying to figure out if Harvey, Harvey Corman had to perform with the drink in his head or like if they had had like a, a tube going down the back. Mm, like, you know, my husband's check. like, did he have to like just perform with this huge like bowl of stuff in his head or what was going on there? I, I mean... I don't know, Lauren. I mm-hmm. I actually found this the least disturbing Harvey Corman appearance <laughs> of the special. I mean, there's the first one 
where he plays this chef. With the sort of where, like a Julia Child takeoff. Yeah, Ma- Mala puts in some recipe video to make Bantha surprise. Mm-hmm. And then Harvey Corman shows up to do the, the, the recipe video looking like he's competing in like a RuPaul's Drag Race robot competition. Like it looks like, <laughs> I, I don't, I, it's like it's a, a, looks like a drag robot. It's really sort of weird. And then later shows up again when Lumpy is watching some instructional video on a mini transmitter and Harvey Corman's like a malfunctioning Android. Who's kind of like speeding up, slowing down. Like, I guess he's just a Jack of all trades, you know, that mm-hmm. Harvey Corman. Um, Devin, what did you find? Of, uh, what did you think of the various appearances by this seventies uh, funny man? I I'm curious whether they either like couldn't get as many people as they thought. So they were just like, Harvey, you're going to play all of the roles. Or if Harvey was like, whatever you guys need. I'm here. Like I I can do a Julia child. I can do a weird bar patron and I can do a mal- malfunctioning Android. And they were like, great. We're going to write all three of those. I'm just, I have, I'm fascinated by it. I, I think it's burned into my brain, him going stir whip, stir whip, 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 stir. <laughs> I think it, I, I think it's I think it's he wanted to I, I think it's the old Carol Burnett show like actor and I'm like I'm gonna play different characters you know it's like you know. I think some of the production people were involved with like the Carol Burnett show and like so they they knew like Harvey Corman and they knew B Arthur and they knew Art Carney and you know there was like that whole sort of like variety act thing that was going on in the 70s with like the Marie Marie and Donnie Osmond which I think some of the Star Wars characters were on the Marie and Donnie, Donnie Osmond show and so I think it's just like it was like the unholy mash of George Lucas wanting to do a story about Wookiee Life Day and then some television professionals being like, let's jazz this up with some, you know, some variety style, you know, and then you're just like, what in the hell happened here? Because it's just like, it's like, it's just like the unholy mess, like combination of two of these things together. It always fascinates me when people try to bring the variety show back. I think like Nick and Jessica Simpson, like try and then like didn't like Neil Patrick Harris, I think, try to like and Maya Rudolph, I think. Yep. Like, yeah, she did okay, it with Martin Short. Yeah, occasionally it's like, that. okay, we can revive like the variety. And it's like it just doesn't work. It's just Mm-mm. it's missing all that cocaine, I think, from the nineteen seventies. <laughs> just like yeah. just bizarre, just bizarre, you know, song and dance. Numbers. I think modern actors just don't have that sort of let's put on a show vibe that, you know, old school stars used to have that where it was like, you know, everyone used to know how to sing and dance just for the course of, you know, being in, in Hollywood. And now it's like you get the rare people like Hugh Jackman who could do it, but not everybody else can sing and dance. So you I think know. everyone's like now would try to like do like they're so cheesy, but they didn't mm-hmm. realize they were being cheesy. Now it's like you you can't like knowingly, ironically try and do that. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Like it loses the 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 magic of just that ultimate Velveeta dripping off of your screen when you yeah. put this Donnie and Marie on or the Brady Bunch variety hour or like any of that stuff. Yeah, just, I think you get crazy. sort of like self-referential or sort of winking versions of it. Like I really liked John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch. I thought that was like a right. fun way to play with the format while being ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I think I miss those days of like, oh, like who's going to be the star on this, you know, variety special? You know, it's just like that's there's something so fun about that. Um, even when it turns out very bad, like the Star Wars holiday yeah. special. Uh all right, we have a whole lot more to talk about. We haven't even gotten to the Wookiee virtual <laughs> sex scene yet, oh and we will talk about that right after this quick break. <laughs> 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back talking about the Star Wars Holiday Special. Uh, if you tuned in, uh, sorry about that. Just tuned in now. Um, we talked about the Star Wars stars. We talked about the Wookiees and Life Day. And we talked about some of the uh, the guest stars that showed up as part of the story. There's also a bunch of like performances, like through various devices that people are watching that I wanted to get into. The first one is... Lumpy gets like he watches some sort of I guess it's like a hologram like space disco dance and juggling <laughs> troupe it's on like a chessboard. Yeah, I it basically looks like the the chessboard in the or whatever in, in the Yeah, it looks like a hollow chess table. It's like a yeah. Right, in the Millennium Falcon, but instead he's watching some space disco dance and juggling. I think um, that was the moment where I was like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> like that was really the moment where I was like this is really strange. I mean, the, the thing, Devin, is that the, the the hollow chess, first off, you have like monsters killing each other. And it's also lasts like 10, 15 seconds. This goes on for, it's probably like two, three minutes. It felt like 30. That's how I feel about most of the sketches and dances and songs in this holiday special where I'm like, oh, this is going on a very long time. This could have yeah, been cut. The pacing is, is very much off. On it's most it's of bizarre. This. I mean, the costumes are kind of weird and cool, but... It's kind of fascinating to me as somebody who like, I don't know. I mean, after 40 years, people talk about like a very specific Star Wars look. There's like what Star Wars should look like, what Star Wars should sound like, what Star Wars is. And these sort of like early with the holiday special and the Christmas album, it's sort of like there's bits and pieces of that, but you're sort of kind of only going off of what was in the original Star Wars and maybe Empire Strikes Back. So they were just like, sure, this is vaguely sci-fi 70s. This could be an, uh, like, we got these costumes from Star Trek or Doctor Who. It's, it's sort of yeah. all interchangeable, which is kind of fascinating to me. Um, because it kind of like, there's a lot of this that looks like it could have been just anything as opposed to, like, specifically Star Wars. Totally agree. And it's a really good point because, all, like, sci-fi in the 70s before Star Wars, like, you know, it all kind of like, like Logan's run. Like yeah. it all looked sort of a certain way. And then yeah. Star Wars, you're right, completely changed that. But then they just kind of go back to that for like for these these other specials and things. It's so weird. So at one point, the, the Imperials show up at, at the door at, you know, Itchy and Lumpy and Mala's door. And they're they're going to wait there to see if Chewbacca shows up. And um, all of a sudden, Art Carney, he'd given this gift to Mala. And then he shows it to an, an Imperial, opens up the gift. And in, like just in the middle of his shift, Decides to sit down and watch like a hologram Jefferson Starship performance, <laughs> which just doesn't seem like top flight work on his part. They do this song, Light the Sky on Fire. I, I don't, I mean, I'm predisposed to hate this band um, to begin with. I mean, like you got Jefferson Airplane, who was like legitimately a good band and like very uh, influential and important. Then you have Starship, which is like a terrible band, just like one of the worst bands ever, but like at least had some hits. They like built that, this city on rock and roll. They album. built, which True. is maybe the worst song ever recorded. I mean, but, it's pretty bad, yeah. But, but was a hit, but was a big hit. 
Jefferson Starship is this weird, like, anti-Goldilocks in the middle, like, hybrid between the two bands. It's just awful on every level. Do you think that the the producers of the holiday special, they were like, all right, we need a rock and roll band. This one has Starship in the name. We're making a Star Wars holiday special. Done. We're not going to go to anybody else. This is 100%. just Jefferson Starship. 100%. <laughs> like, that's absolutely what happened. It's, I mean, it's, this is, this is the one thing, cause I've watched this special just so many times. Did this they is write the this one song part, for this? I know they recorded it. A few, so they recorded it and then like, um, what is Marty Ballin or whatever the yeah, guy's Marty name Ballin, is? Yeah, Marty Ballin, yeah. Okay, thank you. He left the band by the time this came out. <laughs> oh. He's in the video, but he's, he's like, the Star Wars. Because there was Grace Slick wasn't yeah. in the band and then she She's came not back, in this video. Right? No, she, no, no, She's no. not in this she video back, either. She comes back for building the city of rock and roll. She came back know? for Starship. Yeah. Right, she came back for Starship. Uh, the Star Wars holiday special essentially killed Jefferson Starship. Um, <laughs> but this is the one part that I really have a hard time getting through. Like this is like when you say like everything feels like it takes forever. This Jefferson Starship performance like is so bad and so just like boring and uninteresting that this is this is tough. This is I tough honestly spent most of the performance thinking about the history of Jefferson Airplane into Jefferson Starship into Starship and thinking yeah. is there another band that changed their name so many times? Like there's we had the you know Joy Division to New Order but they were kind of a different band. But this is really just one band that just kept changing their names. And well, they did change like, members here and there, like you yeah. said. They, they, they'd they occasionally change a but member, But usually too. you change members, but just keep the name of the band intact. But, like, this is just, like, we're just going to keep changing the name of the band. It's very Parks and Rec, where uh, yeah. Chris Pratt just keeps changing the name of his band, Mouse Rat, to, like, 9,000 other names. I, I think the reason I hate that stupid Built This City on Rock and Roll song so much mm-hmm. is my, my dad... I'm I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I hear my dad go, we built this business. (laughs) We built this business on customer service. I'm like, what are you singing? He's like, oh, it's this this commercial I saw on TV. And for like three years, he would just walk around. We built this business. Like like, he wasn't even singing the real version. He was singing like the TV. Like, yes. Oh, so bad. My dad just sings Love Shack. Like he's been singing Love Shack since like 1990. So that's like the Fred. Does he like put a little Fred Schneider on it? Like I got me a car. It's as big as a whale. He would just sing. We actually we actually danced to that at my wedding. I cannot tell you how much money I would pay to see you dancing to Love Shack. At your wedding. There's not I mean, enough also, money in the world. if you looked at my dad, because my dad is just like, he looks like, he's like a stereotypical, he just looks like a cop. Like, he's just big and burly. But my dad loves that song because he's been singing it for years. I love does, that. Does he do a little Rock Lobster, too? Um, no, it's just honestly just Love Shack. But I think just that's love just- Just Love Shack. I think I just played that, I, I played that album a lot in the car. Rome? So. Does he do Rome, then? No, it really is just Love Shack. So, oh. I mean, you know. But it's private like, Idaho? No? Right. <laughs> no, no. Just gonna keep just trying. Yeah. Uh, all right. We gotta talk about now just the weirdest part of the entire special. <laughs> At one point, this I still can I cannot wrap my head around what, what how this happened and what is Art Carney puts Itchy into a chair. He straps him into some sort of like puts like a headset on, and then Itchy, who's Chewbacca's father, he's an old Wookiee with a cane. And he basically goes on some sort of like virtual reality sexual acid trip. It was the weirdest this, thing. This <laughs> dirty old Wookiee is watching some sort of Diane Carroll performance where she's promising him virtual sex. These are actual 
words she says. She says, I am your fantasy. I am your pleasure. Enjoy me. Like, this is super creepy for like a kid special. This aired on television in 1978? (laughs) Yes. But I think this is where, I don't know if this is where Bob Mackie gets the fashion credit on this special because I saw costumes by Bob Mackie. I costumes was like, by what? Bob Mackie. Damn. Yeah, and yeah. I was just like, well, this must just be the Diane Carroll outfit because I can't think of like, was it's he a- outfitting B. Arthur too? Great outfit. I think he was. Yeah. I, it's like the costume is fantastic. Yeah, but I'm just no, watching but it, this it definitely looks, looks like, you know, I was like, I was like, oh yeah, that's a, that, that looks like Bob Mackie all the way. But this whole entire you thing. Got, you guys like, are focusing on the costume. Focus on the fact that we have like an elderly Wookiee going in for VR sex <laughs> With Diane Carroll. It's too horrifying to focus on the other part of it. So I'm just going to focus on the fashion of it. <laughs> I, can I just say, I feel so bad for Mala. Like she, like her husband, husband, partner, whatever. The father of her child, her awful, annoying yeah. child is constantly off having adventures and hanging out with Han Solo. So she's stuck at home with his awful Itchy. father who watches yeah. like virtual reality softcore porn in the was living room. Chewba- was Chewbacca's mother very tall? Because Itchy isn't, he's like literally like three feet taller than Chewbacca is. So I was just like. Yeah, they, you know, old people, they, they get short yeah, they, they, they get old. They shrink. Well, apparently the Mala costume was an early like prototype of a Chewbacca costume. So they just repurposed it for Mala. She's like a very weird, like kind of like her, her nose is a lot more beaky than it, uh, Chewbacca. Is, yeah, so. and Itchy has like an underbite. His like yes. his, his his teeth are very his mouth is very weird and Lumpy is just not a fan. This whole entire p- thing is is just horrifying. It's just yeah, I was like, it, what it, is going on here? And I don't even want to know. It's the one time in the film that I was glad we did not have subtitles on the on the wiki grunts. <laughs> as he's, he's like, oh, as he's watching Diane Carroll in this VR headset saying she's her his fantasy and pleasure and to enjoy I her. I want to know who just what what how did Diane Carroll what how was this described to Diane Carroll about what she was doing in the special? Or did they just film her and just stick stick it in the weirdest place and could possibly do it? <laughs> well, she knows she she talks to him, right? She's like, hey, like she. So she knows yeah, what's like going interactive. on. It's not just how like much, press play. How much cocaine was involved in this one specifically? <laughs> just not enough in this scene. This is the one scene I'd say not enough. Apparently. I mean, it is fascinating. We talk about Andor being the first, you know, kind of Star Wars thing to like, oh, there's a brothel and like, oh, mm-hmm. there's things. Yeah. Nope. The Star Wars holiday special. That <laughs> was <Yeah>. number one. <laughs> How great would it be if Itchy had been in that scene in the brothel when, when Cassian goes in? First scene of Andor, he's just in the corner by the corporate security uh, duo. Like, oh, he's back again. With his cane still in the... Oh, my God. He's he's just the worst. I don't like his name. I think he's weird looking. He's a bad father to Chewbacca. Like, I don't know. i mm-hmm. anti-Itchy. Um, 100%. So, <laughs> so we haven't talked about now the most notable... Um, portion of this special, the the one part of the special that you actually can see legitimately still on Disney Plus. There's basically at some point, uh, I guess Lumpy, I don't even remember, decides to watch a cartoon. I don't even remember who does it. And they basically watches this cartoon that now retroactively has been called The Faithful Wookiee. And this was actually the first official Star Wars cartoon. Mm-hmm. It was written by George Lucas. And it basically was produced by the same company that would later do the 1980s cartoons, Droids and Ewoks, which we will be doing deep dives on. Don't you worry. <laughs> soon <laughs> I enough. Can't wait. I have them on VHS. <laughs> so um, 
you have the actual cast doing the voices, including you know, James Earl Jones and mm-hmm. you know, Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford. It also is the introduction of Boba Fett. So this is the first time you ever see Boba Fett. Um, they based his appearance on, uh, on um, basically on the unpainted costume footage they had from Empire Strikes Back. And then they scuffed up the costume a little bit. And um, basically, two months before the holiday special aired, Boba Fett was in a, a parade, a Star Wars parade. They had. Mm-hmm. That was the first time he was ever out. And then the first time he was ever on screen was in the holiday special. And you already even see some of the gadgets and the jetpack and the, the wire that he can sort of like, uh, you know, tie people up with that he does later. We see on uh, to Luke Skywalker. On Tatooine, he does it uh, here as well. So, um, what'd you guys make? I, you may have seen this part, this this cartoon before, being an uh, important part of Star Wars history. I don't know if it's your first time seeing it, Devin. What'd you make of the faithful Wookiee and Boba Fett's uh, introduction here? So I had seen it, uh, God, a zillion years ago, like in a but but I sat down and I watched like the nice remastered version on Disney Plus. Um, I pulled it up after watching the the special. Um, and it's kind of great. It's kind of it's easily the best part of the special. I it has this kind of wonderful like um, Johnny Quest kind of vibe to it. It's very Saturday morning c- cartoon. I kind of love the art style, even though it's it's like it's kind of weird and bizarre. I love how wiggly Artu is. He's just like he's he's very wiggly the whole time. Never mind the fact that he's made of metal, but he's just like kind of just like dancing. Yeah, there's the whole a lot time. of like fluidity in the lines for yeah i love that like c-3po's eyes blink vertically which is like such a weird detail um that's not in the original film um han solo i don't know what what harrison ford did the animators but oof he looks bad here he just yes the thing is i was looking at him and i was like uh, they made him look like adam driver actually because there was the final shot and i was like that actually looks more like a cartoon version of adam driver than it does harrison ford and like well, yeah, I guess I could finally see the resemblance between these two people. <laughs> That's a really good call, Lauren. And you know what? Like, Honestly, you're right. And also, like, I, I think you talk about him mailing it in. I think his, his. I mean, not to you know dive into deep on the line readings on mm-hmm. on the, the faithful Wookiee, but he seems to really be mailing it in here. And like, considering how bad his voiceover was in Blade Runner, maybe he's just terrible at maybe like he just ADR doesn't like and like and yeah, Mark doesn't like the voiceover. And Mark Hamill was like, "Wait a minute," you know, because someone <laughs> yeah. said like I, I read in another oral history they were like Mark just wanted to keep doing his lines again and again, and I'm like. There, there we. There's the beginning. There's That's the beginning the of his story. voiceover career. Yeah, yeah. I also want to point out that I love that you know, everybody always talks about you know, Boba Fett is is this sort of iconic character. There's there's such hype around him even before um, he appears in in Empire Strikes Back. And this is the first time where I was like, oh, I kind of get it. Like I mm-hmm. I like he's he pretty makes, cool he, in the animated series. Yeah, yeah. He shows up riding a dinosaur, which is the coolest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. He's got all these cool gadgets. He's like super suave. He's like, you think he's a good guy. And then he does this like crazy heel turn. And then it turns out he's like in league with Darth Vader. And you're like, oh, I actually like see it. Like I I could see if like if I was a kid in 1978, I'd be like, ooh, I want to know everything about this guy and buy all of his toys and can't wait to see him in Empire Strikes Back. Remember, he like he he was like he almost like killed people when that toy figure came out. They had to like literally take the toy off the market. You'd say they basically you get these you you say you bought uh, Star Wars uh, figures and you saved up a few and then you could order mail order this special Boba Fett one. 
But then they realized that the jetpack was a choking hazard. So they had to completely. So already he was a badass. Like, oh, my God, he could like actually kill actual people. So did you did you not get your Boba Fett figure because of that, Dalton? I, I had I had the Boba Fett figure, but not the with the actual. Not the original. Because those things are worth one. a lot of money now. Yeah. A zillion yeah. dollars. Mm-hmm. It will. You know, it's I. So I. I got this again in the 1990s, right? This is pre-YouTube and I was obviously a big Star Wars fan and eBay now is a thing, right? So eBay is a thing. So I ordered a VHS copy of it and I didn't know what to expect. And so like what we're talking about, everything just seems way too long. The Jefferson Starship performance takes forever. Like the stupid, like hollow dance troupe. I'm like, oh my God, this is so painful. Then we get to the the cartoon. It's the one thing I'm like, that's it? Like, that's all we get. Yeah. Like, you know, I didn't know. So it was like, it's like, you know, three minutes long or something. And I was just like, oh, you know, it is easily, Devin, you're right. The best part of the special. Yeah, it's super fun. Yeah, I think if they had made the entire special this, it would probably not have been considered such a, a disaster. But, you know, it, there's there's internal logic in the cartoon that there is not anywhere else in the special. So I, I think that's, you know, I enjoyed that best. And it actually works as a transition to actually set up the damn next movie, right? Mm -hmm. Like with Boba Fett. Like it actually serves a purpose there. Yeah. Is this uh, cartoon uh, canon compliant? Like is this still part of canon or have they knocked it out of canon? (laughs) I started to read something about this entire special in canon, how it Mm -hmm. was like like B-level canon. Like obviously Life Day is canon and we've seen Mm -hmm. that, how they've worked it into the Mandalorian, a reference uh, and, and certain things like that and all the merch they're selling. But now kind of like any, as you know, anything that wasn't those first three movies or maybe first any or maybe first six movies, right? Like anything pre-Disney that wasn't those movies is kind of now decanoned, right? Yeah. Like, Except isn't that for all the Clone like, Wars. The Clone Wars is still canon, even though that was pre-Disney. Right. But, and yeah. is the first Clone Wars still canon? I th- Remember well, the, the original Clone Wars, those really, those mini oh, those, those shorts? Genity Tart- oh, the Genity Tartakovsky ones? Yes. I don't know if those are, but I know that the, I know that the, well, the series and, and the mo- the other movie, the Dave Filoni one, that, that those are in canon. Well, right. I guess those are Darren Franich, he's like the world's yeah. biggest fan of the Tartakovsky stuff. Yeah. So I don't, I, like, I don't know, like once that sort of happened, like all this like became sort of moot point, but no, I think it's definitely like. I don't know. That's a good question about the cartoon, whether it's continued considered canon or not, because everything else on this, I think, was basically like scrap, never seen again. I think it could actually fit into canon pretty well. But, uh, you know, I don't see it. I, there was nothing in it that flagged it, that it, it couldn't be in canon. So but a question to ponder. Well, they don't. The only thing you could say is they don't really react. I mean, not that there's a chance, but in Empire. There's never, oh, that Boba Fett guy we encountered, yeah. is that it again? You know what I mean? There's nothing like that in there. Mm-hmm. Now, they, they don't necessarily not know who he is, but you know Lando says, when Lando says, a bounty hunter named Boba Fett or something, like, I don't know. They're not like, they hey, know. we know that guy. We yeah. saw him riding yeah. a dinosaur once. Um, well, listen, that's a reason to watch. And th- so the, what we're telling you all is if you don't want to watch this entire hour and 37 minute monstrosity on YouTube, you can go to the Disney Plus and watch The Faithful Wookiee, which is the best part of the special. I recommend it. Uh, anything else you all want to say about this thing that I made you both watch? <laughs> I, judgment. I just want to wrap it up by saying, look, this is actively terrible. I wish I could have that hour and a half of my life back. But at the same time, is it better than Rise of Skywalker? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. 
It didn't. It didn't. It didn't make me as angry as Rise of Skywalker. Made yeah, me. I was just sort of like <laughs> just, bemused. Like this is interesting. This is crazy. Like you know, it was more me. I you know, it was just like what is going on? But in you know that way that when you watch seventies programming, you're like, was everyone high? Like what's going on here? I think it would be very fun to get a large group of people together and watch this and have some drinks and not be sober. Mm-hmm. I think that would yeah. be very fun. Um, have some life day cocktails. Will I watch it again by myself alone on my couch? Probably not. But I'm very glad I've seen the the whole thing all the way through. All right. Well, everyone's reward for listening to us talk about (laughs) the Star Wars holiday special for probably way too long is we actually have something very cool uh, for you uh, and something exclusive. Um, There's a new sort of audio drama coming out called Star Wars colon the Battle of Jeddah. And uh, if you're a Star Wars fan, you know how important Jetta is. And it's a new audio uh, drama coming out uh, by George Mann. And we've got an exclusive bit of it that we're going to play for you right now. It's read by a full cast. It's super exciting. And check it out, and then we'll wrap everything up. Here it is. Star Wars, The Battle of Jetta: The High Republic. Get your whole roast dip, yip. Spice Ranga! Best Spice Ranga on Jetta! And here we are, back in the markets of Jetta after all these years. <laughs> it's not what I remember. You're disappointed. No, quite the opposite. It's perfect. But it's changed. It's like mm. seeing it with new eyes. Mm. Nothing is still forever. Even the desert sands shift to make the landscape anew. Yes, and I suppose that's true of us all. Although, some things don't change. For example, you're still sporting a most impressive beard. (laughs) (laughs) And you're still carrying that old shield around on your back like a talisman. (laughs) Perhaps that's exactly what it is. But it has saved my life a few times. And plenty of other lives, too, if the stories are anything to go by. Stories? Now, I know you're having me on. (laughs) As if I would. Remember, us guardians of the wills are (laughs) all-knowing. It's good to see you, Misuk. See, I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) The Force will be free. The Force will be free. The Force will be free. Free from all Free from the shackles of those who bend it to their will. This is new. Protesters? Be on your guard, Salandra. On my guard? Only then will we all be free. There are people here on Jeddah who feel ambivalent toward the Jedi. Ambivalent at best. There are always people who feel ambivalent about the Jedi. It keeps us humble. Here, a gift freely given. A gift? For me? Aw, that's a pretty flower. Thank you. It smells lovely. (laughs) What's your name, little one? I'm Natty. Natty, no. To me, now. Marta, I was just giving out the flowers as you asked. Yes, Natty, I know. But you must remember what I told you. There are dangerous people here on Jetta. It's all right. The child meant no harm. It is not all right. Natty, this woman is a Jedi. I'm sorry, Marta. 
I think there's been some sort of misunderstanding. Natty, I thank you for your gift. That's enough. Come along, Natty. Back to Elder Delwyn and the others. Everything will be fine. All is as the Force wills it. Hold on a moment. If I could just speak with the child... You've said enough. I will not have her corrupted by one who bends the Force to their own will. But I... Salandra, I think you should let them go. The Force will be free. The Force will be free. Ambivalent, you say? Well, I was trying to be diplomatic. Do you know who they were? A religious sect and protest group known as the Path of the Open Hand. They arrived soon after the convocation was formed and they passed through the markets most days, giving out those flowers and chanting their creed. They seem harmless enough, despite their evident dislike of Jedi. You'll see them about. You can tell who they are by the pale robes and the three blue lines they paint on their faces. The Force will be free. Interesting. We are on Jeddah. There are nearly as many different ideologies as there are pilgrims. I suppose that's why this new convocation is a good thing. If it can help to bring people together... Uh, time will tell. Anyway, I think it's time we found something to eat. Good idea. And then you can tell me what you've been up to since I last saw you. <laughs> I fear it'll be a short conversation. Nothing exciting ever happens on Jeddah. Our thanks to Itchy, Mala, and Lumpy for joining us this week. Uh, we, a little programming alert, we are off for the next few weeks for the holidays, but we will be back in January where we will be talking some Bad Batch, Season 2, and a whole lot of other nonsense. Thanks so much for listening. And no matter what holiday you celebrate, be it Life Day or Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever, may it be happy and merry and full of tidings and joy. Please make sure to follow and rate the podcast and tell all your friends about it too. And if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that would cause a single tear of joy to roll down our collective cheek. You can also connect with us on social media by following Entertainment Weekly on all socials. It's at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag and follow us directly using at Dalton Ross, at Devin Kogan, and at Morg Lore. We'll see you in 2023, everybody, and may the force be with you. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch is hosted by Dalton Ross, Devin Kogan, and Lauren Morgan. Produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio. Edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>